everybody's kind of feeling right now is reevaluating their value structure, you know, their priorities of what they value um, and, and decommodifying a lot of things, especially our food. Because now people are like having to be at home and cook it themselves. So they're really getting connected to it. And we're back with another episode of Positive AF Podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Elise Peterson, the founder of Tea Let Tea. She talks about her background in the world of food science and how her experience led her to pursuing innovations in the tea industry to battle exploitation. Learn more about these injustices and how Elise and her company is helping tea farmers all around the world. Hey, you're listening to the Positive AF Podcast, highlighting positive action first in our community. Today, I'm here with Elise Peterson, the founder of Tea Let Tea. Elise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm so happy that we can finally get the chance to sit down and talk and just have a really wholesome conversation and holistic conversation, I'd like to say, around what it is that you do and and why you make an impact in our community. But I think to set the tone, I'd love to open up the space with some gratitude. If you don't mind sharing, um, can you tell me something that you're grateful for? Wow, uh, so much. But I mean, I think uh, most relevant is, you know, just food and seeds and the people's efforts that that bring that sustenance uh, to us. And, and for me, food is much more than just what we eat and get our energy from. It's also community, right? And you're talking about community and it seems that nature of this podcast is community. So that's, that's great too. So yeah, I am grateful for food and all it means for, for all of us together. Very well said. Yeah. I don't think we understand how important taking care of our land is and food. And that's really just the source of everything. You know, the way that we or most consumers see it is just inside of grocery stores and we're completely left out of the entire other process behind it. So yeah, very well said, something to bring to front of mind. Um, What is TLET? If you could just go ahead and explain that really quick. Yeah, so TLET, I'm I'm the CEO and founder of TLET. Uh, we are a software company that uh, provides marketplace software to independent family-owned farms uh, to connect and do business with uh, food companies. Uh, our first uh, vertical that, that we're building up is in a network of tea. So tea is uh, like green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong tea, puer tea. They all come from the same crop. That crop's name is Camellia sinensis. So that one plant will produce all these different types of tea. And uh, my business strategy is to build the marketplace of producers and buyers. And this is all wholesale. This is all like business. B2B is the, the business term for that. So that would be more of like a, a marketplace like Alibaba versus a marketplace like Amazon, which is more consumer facing. Alibaba is more business facing. Um, and so we're building that balance of seller and buyer uh, in the T vertical first. But the ultimate goal is that this software would be something that could provide that same facilitation for all of the food industry. Absolutely. That's wonderful. And I want to dig deeper into um, how is your company structured? And aside from the B2B side, I know that you have 
some offers for B2C too. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, so the B2C is uh, up until, you know, a few months ago was exclusively here in my tea room in Las Vegas. Uh, I'm based here in Las Vegas. That's how, how we met. Uh, but we do our, our business very internationally. Uh, but I chose Las Vegas as our hub because of its location, its uh, cost of living, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the traffic and tourism that comes through town. I can connect with people from all over the world just sitting right here. Um, and so my tea room is actually part of the warehouse that supports that B2B business. Uh, but because we have this space, I have this like gorgeous zen-like uh, space to gather and drink tea. I also do engage with the local community here. Uh, and so that's the B2C that we do is uh, hosting events and then also retailing tea exclusively here in the space. Now, with the pandemic that we've been dealing with over the past few months, uh, the B2B part of my business has seen a significant drop. And the only reason for that is that majority of my clients uh, distribute tea to restaurants. And so with the restaurants being closed, it really has uh, had a big impact on that business. And so like any good entrepreneur, I was agile and adapted and have recently launched a, a secondary business it, uh, website uh, that uh, is branded under the TLIT brand because we do have a lot of brand equity under TLIT. I've been building this business for eight years and even though we do B2B work, the marketing and the engagement that I do is very consumer facing. So I didn't want to have to build a whole new brand for our consumer product. Um, and so that, that is called a tea and it's people.com. And uh, so what I'm doing there is hosting the community as well as uh, having a retail offering there. So there you can actually, as a consumer, see our entire catalog of teas which can be purchased by the ounce or in bulk um, and uh, so for the first time ever consumers can actually see our tea list uh, consumers were never able to see that in the past because the tealet.com website my original website is actually um, uh, a lot of the information is protected uh, unless you have an approved wholesale account uh, so that you can get access to that information. So I'm kind of managing two separate websites now, uh, which, you know, has uh, become a task on its own, but uh, I love learning. So it's been an incredible opportunity and I'm actually, you know, quite grateful for all of the uh, flexibility and, and all of the um, tenacity and adaptability that I've had to acquire over the past few months due to the pandemic. I want to just educate listeners a little bit more too about your product um, or your marketplace. And I want to understand like, what is the difference for a consumer between buying teas at the store versus teas you offer, for example? Yeah. So this, that's a great question. And, you know, that can allow me to kind of give a little bit more background of, of my, my story and my passion and why I'm building this product. So I'm a food scientist. Uh, that's, that's what I was, uh, got my undergraduate degree in. Uh, and I, I got that degree because I'm passionate about cooking and food and like cooking a meal for my friends. Like nothing brings me great joy than to do that. And uh, I'm good at math and science. So, you know, my advisors all said, hey, you should study food science, uh, be a food scientist. And that way you can cook for the masses. You can cook for everybody. So 
when I say food science, that's uh, another way to put that is something called big food. Um, big food uh, is related to that problem that you were talking about, how the consumer is not connected to their food. Uh, they just think of it as something that's at the grocery store or, or worse. They think of it as something that's in a plastic bag at the convenience store. Uh, that's big food. And I worked in big food for four years, uh, doing quality control, doing product development. Uh, I, I did get to work in a kitchen. I did get to work in the lab. But ultimately, the projects that I worked on uh, were all um, motivated by um, consumerism. We're all motivated by this, like, lack of mindfulness and, and providing food for people without really considering that we're we're not just providing food and building business, we're providing sustenance. And that really was missing um, in my work. And, and I had even like gone up the ladder and, and, and sought out new jobs and new industries uh, to get closer to nature, to get closer to that sustenance. So uh, I worked uh, at a dairy, then I worked at like a, a seafood place that made like a sushi you know, in the trays. And then um, I ended up getting a, a job at a Trader Joe's Whole Foods private label company. Uh, so it was all certified organic and it was all natural. So I thought, okay, this is it. I, you know, I can work in the organic sector and I can finally feel good about the food I'm making. Uh, but no, actually <laughs> found out that there's just loopholes. That was my job was finding the loophole. Okay. Uh, there's a natural way of getting MSG into the food uh, is uh, by using this ingredient called autolyzed yeast, yeast extract. And, um, you know, not, not to say that like I'm against MSG. MSG is a, a natural chemical uh, that does enhance uh, flavor of food and, and all of that. Uh, what I am against is the lack of transparency, the lack of honesty that, uh, you know, the whole organic fair trade, all of these, you know, kind of conscious consumer brands have brought so much trust to the market and making us feel like we are consuming something healthy that's good for the planet and good for people when it's just as bad, if not worse, than what's being sold at Walmart. So uh, I got pretty jaded uh, in that whole experience and, and uh, so grateful that I was young still at that point. You know, I was still like 23 years old when I was coming to that actualization and a friend had recommended that I join the Peace Corps. Um, so I had nothing to lose. Uh, you know, they said you can take a break for a couple of years, just go live somewhere else, see another perspective. And uh, I went into that experience quite conservative. I was very like career oriented, salary oriented. Um, but you know, that whole experience, I was a, a agriculture volunteer for two years in a very rural village of just 200 people with no running water or no electricity in Niger, West Africa. And, uh, you know, working with farmers there that only have the ability to grow two crops. And, and these two crops are, are things that we use for bird feed here, uh, millet and sorghum. Those are the only two crops that could grow there. Uh, but, and, and there was a lot of hunger. There were, there were all the things that you, you, you would assume that, that were there. But the one thing that was there that, like, really impressed me the most was happiness. I'm like, what? Like, how is this here? And not only is it here, it is like in abundance compared to what I'm used to seeing back home. And uh, it took a couple of years for me to finally realize the basis of that happiness was that everyone was intimately connected with the things that they needed. Um, food, community, and family. And, uh, you know, even though they didn't have abundance of food or abundance of community, uh, they 
they were intimately connected to what they did have. And so I was really impressed by that. And it has influenced me in my work since that. It's been uh, over 10 years since I finished that, that experience. And uh, since coming back to the States and reorienting myself into the food industry and, uh, you know, into becoming an entrepreneur, you know, now I feel like my, my calling in life is to bring that connection back even if it means bringing that connection within the modern Western food system, which involves the grocery store and the convenience store. Like I know those things won't change, but what I am trying to change and influence a change of is the transparency of the supply chain of the ingredients going into those, uh, if processed, you know, foods. Um, and so that's, that's the difference of, of, of the product that I'm building with TLET and the capability that we would have to influencing all of the food industry if we were able to facilitate this transparency in the international supply chain of these agricultural commodities. So currently what you can buy in the grocery store in uh, processed food or even in uh, raw ingredients, raw produce, uh, is is really a challenge in the transparency in that supply chain because these systems are all very highly aggregated uh, where it's it's much more efficient to have one central distribution point uh, where things would come in and then from there they could get you know distributed out to the next point of value and from there would get distributed out and 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 things get blended together and mixed up and so transparency is non-existent it's impossible uh, but in, in my business philosophy and life philosophy of what I want to do as a uh, woke, you know, um, professional, the food industry is, is put in the systems, utilizing technology uh, to bring that transparency in so uh, that uh, you can not only get a product that's like more ethical, like knowing more than just trusting this fair trade label that makes you feel good, like truly knowing when I buy this product, majority of the, of, the, of the value of what I'm paying is going to the people that actually produce this product versus all those aggregation points like how it currently is. Uh, but uh, something that we get in addition to that is not only that good, good feeling, but more importantly, we get better quality. And I know that you've drank tea with me, so you know from your own personal experience, the difference in the quality and the, the overall experience of how you feel after consuming the product, it's much higher. And it doesn't mean that it has to be much more expensive. It's just the, uh, the supply chain's a little bit more tricky, but with technology, we can make it, we can make it work. And you know, like uh, an example that most people can relate to and know is uh, the tomato, right? They say like a store-bought tomato is, has no flavor compared to homegrown tomato. Um, and that, that the same exact principle is, is in play as, as you know, what I just explained. Yeah, beautiful story. I love hearing it every time. I love hearing your personal connection to being on the ground in those areas and, and really like understanding the whole industry that way, and the, the whole, um, the way food impacts our communities. And you mentioned a lot of injustices and, and gaps in the industry. And I want to understand, like, can you tell me about a time when you encountered a huge challenge in carrying out your mission. So, you know, maybe when you came back and you understood, okay, this is what I want to pursue, this is what I want to do. What were the hurdles in achieving your mission? 
I mean, um, getting people to trust me that, that I know what I'm doing. And, and that's something that I deal with even to today, eight years later, after I've started this company is getting people to trust me. Um, especially when you're doing B2B, when you're doing like enterprise or you're trying to sell something to a company, you, you know, you, you can't just put a flashy website up and, and pay for some Facebook ads like you can with a consumer product. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're, trying to sell something to a consumer, uh, you can build that trust very easily with some nice marketing. When it comes to B2B sales, and especially when you're trying to encourage somebody to, to take on a whole new way of business and a whole new way of everything, like what my business is doing for the industry, it has been a challenge for people uh, to trust me. So there's a lot of things working against me, but I don't let them hold me back. You know, I'm still going to go fighting strong, but uh, these are, these are relevant things, not just for me, but for, for anybody. So the first one is that I'm, I'm female, right? Um, the place for women in the tea industry is in the grace of service. So yeah, what I'm having here, like that, that's very much my place, but like, yeah, I should just be working in a tea shop and just be beautiful serving tea for people. Um, that's very prevalent in like the Chinese market. You, you usually only see women in that position or uh, they're the ones out in the fields plucking the tea and doing and doing that graceful labor. Um, the women are never the ones at the leadership table, you know, making decisions and working with the, uh, the, the bureaucracies and with the, the governments uh, to make change on an industry wide le level. Um, additionally, I'm young. And uh, so you know, uh, in, in this, in my competitors, although I don't see people as competitors, we are all collaborators, but, uh, you know, when, when a business, uh, sees my pitch and, and, and they're going to compare it to a pitch from other wholesalers or other suppliers, um, though the owners of those businesses are men usually. And then next, uh, they're usually older and they've been in the industry for decades and they have all these connections and they're legends and they're, celebrities at certain a certain level you know that is a big part of marketing power and the uh the field that i'm in and the goals i'm trying to ac accomplish is that usually you have to have decades of experience and network under your belt um but uh again i'm not letting those things stop me because i uh with technology i have been able to hyperspeed you know 40 years of networking and experience uh, just by using social media and just by um, building a dynamic website platform that can hold all the data, you know, and I'm very, I'm, uh, it's a part of our brand. It's a part of marketing to admit to people that in this new age, who, who you're buying from doesn't necessarily have to be the expert. They don't have to be the one that possesses all the truth, but who you're going to trust is going to be the one that has the capacity for holding the truth and truth is held through perspectives, which is people. And, uh, so that's, that's what I focus on is, is making it a legitimate network that is kind of open sourced, you know, where, where you can come in and once you, you get in and get that vibe and you, well, this is a very co a collaborative thing where we're sharing information and learning from each other you realize, shit, I can learn much more from this than I could from sitting with an expert and, you know, paying $2,000 for, you know, a couple hours of their time uh, to learn from them. 
when it's like uh, we, we should be open sourcing all of this information um, from the people themselves uh, on the ground and the more the merrier. So now my network consists of thousands of people. You know, I, I could comfortably say that we have over 4,000 people that are actively contributing and, and taking uh, information from our network and um, it's working, you know, and, and that challenge of feeling like people trust me, feeling like I'm credible has really uh, reduced over the years and it has hyper reduced over the past few months. And uh, one thing that I did at the beginning of the pandemic and I just was just like an intuition thing. And it was also a personal thing, like, I couldn't even realize like what's it going to be to sit at home all day. You know, business is slow. So, you know, I got all this time. I, I made a commitment to do a live stream every day for at least an hour at the same time every day. And I did that for the first like month and a half every day. And, uh, in doing that, like, even if I had an audience of zero, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do it. And you know what? I didn't have an audience of zero. I had an audience and, um, that audience has just like hyperspeed, built so much more trust and understanding of of my ethos and and what what we're trying to build here and really understanding that it's a collaborative thing and um you know even the dynamics and the lessons learned outside of of me and my industry that everybody's kind of feeling right now is reevaluating their value structure you know their priorities of what they value um, and, and decommodifying a lot of things, especially our food. Cause now people are like having to be at home and cook it themselves. So they're really getting connected to it, you know? And if, if they're only cooking ramen noodles, they're like, damn, I miss good food. And it's like, you don't have to miss it. You can make it yourself. You know, a lot of people are realizing that and it is helping them reevaluate, uh, their values. And, um, that's the perfect opportunity for, um, uh, a business philosophy like the one that I've been trying to introduce for nearly a decade um, to, to find a home and to find credibility. I cannot agree with you more. You know, although this time is, is a solemn time, like I know that a lot of folks are looking inward and are trimming the fat, so to speak, on their lives and are really trying to go through a period of growth and self-discovery. And I think that the lives that you're doing too, to uh, promote community to promote, you know, interaction while being quarantined. I think it's all amazing. So thanks for everything that you're doing. And now on the topic of looking inward, you know, I think that there's a huge correlation between the impact that we can make in our communities, um, correlating to the personal development that work that we've done with ourselves. And I want to ask you, what's one thing that you do to invite positivity into your life? Um, recently um, has been, you know, exercise and running and, and the sun, you know, exposure to sun um, brings, a, uh, brings a lot of happiness for me. Uh, it basically just removes everything else. It removes my worries. It remo and, and at the core of everything is happiness and positivity, right? So that's kind of cool. You know, it's not like a, a vacuum or a void of nothing. It, it, at the core of it is positivity. It's like all the negativity and the anxiety and the stress is just like added on. And so, um, it, you know, I've developed a practice of, of running, um, you know, uh, I'm sure you can, you can do it in any other way, yoga or meditation. Um, but, uh, 
you know, uh, just having my heart feel good on a regular basis, uh, in a health, in a health sense. Um, it was what motivated me to do the running, but now that I, uh, have found that practice where, you know, for 45 minutes to an hour and a half, I can just focus on that, uh, and clear all the other thoughts from my head. And I know meditation can be effective as this, and even drinking tea can be effective at this. Um, yeah, that helps bring a lot of positivity to your life. Uh, and then, you know, on top of all of that, you feel great afterwards. You feel like your breathing feels good. Your heart feels good. Um, and then, you know, you just feel good overall. So that, that helps with that positivity as well. Super important for, for me too. And, and something that I love to practice as well. Um, just channeling, channeling different energies, positive or negative, you know, and being able to balance them and not judge them and just work through them all equally, I think is, is super important. And as like a, as a social entrepreneur, I like to say, I love to get myself in that like meditative, positive state of mind, that flow before I work. I hate to go into my day or if I'm feeling down or if I'm in a rut to even work period, because I don't want that negative energy flowing into what I'm doing. I don't know if you can relate to that at all. I mean, that's, that's just my daily practice, um, kind of what I do, but like, yeah, we all have our different ways of, of getting into that flow. I want to now allow you the opportunity, um, to provide a call to action to our listeners. And this is completely up to you. I'd like for you to, uh, opportunity to create positive action right now. What is your call to action? Uh, cook something you never cooked before from completely from scratch. Yes, I love it. That's so creative <laughs> too. I think, like you were saying before, all these little like you know mis- minuscule tasks that were taken for granted before are just so much more heightened because we're just like, this is all we can do now. It's all simplified. Like our lives are simplified. So we put more effort into it, I think anyway. But great call to action. Go and cook something that you have not cooked before. And try to cook it from scratch too. You know, so like be it lasagna, like what is something that you're like missing right now um, as far as like dining out with your friends or whatever that you can't do um, as intimidating and especially if you never cooked it before, just friggin' do it. And like Google is your friend, Google that thing, Google recipes, read lots of different ones, uh, and go to the grocery store and figure it out and dedicate an entire day to it if you need to. And and you're gonna feel good at the end of it. You're gonna feel so good. What's your favorite thing to cook? Oh man, everything. Um, I love baking. So, you know, and uh, I love cooking without a recipe. Right. And, and, you know, I have an advantage because of my food science background. Like I have like a very deep understanding of what's going on while I'm cooking uh, that, you know, I understand that not everybody has that. And that's why I say just like rely on a recipe. Go Google. Like the literal chemistry behind what's going on when the pot is on the stove and everything. Yeah. 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 Mine is going. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I know what's happening between the fats and the proteins. And, and if, if things are starting to look off, then I know I should add a little bit more of this and a little more of that. Uh, but something that I, um, I've cooked for the first time, uh, at Cinco de Mayo, 
I, you know, wanted to make some Mexican food and I wanted to make something that I had never made before. And even something that I never ordered before at a restaurant because I was always intimidated by it. And I've always been told that unless it's homemade, it's not good. Uh, is mole, which is like the chocolate, you know, the chocolate sauce, the chili chocolate sauce. So, yeah, uh, uh, yeah I, I took my time and like reading some recipes and trying to understand mole and came to find out that mole is very diverse, complex thing that is not followed by one, uh, philo uh, one recipe philosophy or another. Uh, and so that kind of gives me a lot of confidence and saying, okay, so then I can make it the way that I want to make it. And, um, yeah, I started cooking it at like seven o'clock one night and the sauce itself wasn't finished until like six o'clock the next morning. And, um, and, and, and then I prepared that in, in another dish that took a, a couple more hours because that was just a sauce. And then once you have that sauce and the chicken that's cooked in it, um, then you can make a different dish from that. And so I was actually able to make several different dishes from that sauce. Um, so yeah, that was great. And I made it from raw cacao. Um, I didn't have the Mexican chocolates, uh, but I did have a bunch of raw cacao because uh, one of the last events that I hosted here in my space was uh, for Valentine's Day. It was a cacao ceremony. So I had a bunch of cacao paste uh, from that left over I wanted to use. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll explore mole and see how that's made. And oh my gosh, it was so delicious. It was so good. And I felt so good afterwards, you know, even though it was like, all of that time and all of that work to have like this, you know, like 20 minute eating sesh once it's all done. Um, it's all worth it, especially if you bring, you know, bring friends involved and have, you know, family members enjoy it with you. Uh, yeah, there's just so much joy in that. So yeah, that's my call to action. Go cook something interesting and try to cook it from scratch. Like lasagna, try to make your pasta from scratch. It is doable. It is so easy and so doable. You do not need tools. Um, that's another project that I've been working on during this, this whole period is, uh, I've been helping my friend at the downtown thirds farmer's market. Um, they've been making these like, uh, vegetable boxes that you can order and even have delivered to your door and beautiful farm direct organic produce from California coming in every week to Vegas. Um, and so, uh, I like, um, I got one of those boxes and I cooked everything in the box and I made a video including some live videos. Some of them I did live on Facebook and had, you know, people with me while I was cooking them. Uh, but I did, I, I, I filmed all of them with like a nice camera and a tripod and, um, you know, going to uh, make it like very simplistic of like, this is what I did with this vegetable box. Not one thing went to waste and it fed me for two and a half weeks. Um, you know, and, uh, they're just, just trying to make it relatable and non-intimidating is that's like a lot of people, they feel intimidated or you read a recipe and the recipe makes it seem as if like, Oh, if you don't have this ingredient, you can't make this recipe. That's bullshit. Like, come on, you can figure it out. Like there, there are ways to adapt and, mm -hmm. and, and make it work. And so, yeah, I, like I made all of these things in my tiny little kitchen. I have like a small little kitchen with like, you know, my, my workspace is like smaller than, than this space here in my office. Um, and, uh, you know, electric burners, which every chef would tell you is crap and you shouldn't use, um, and very limited ingredients. And actually when I got that produce box, I was seven weeks since I had gone to the grocery store. So I was working with very limited ingredients in my kitchen. Um, but just trying to say to people, Hey, you know, you can make this happen and you can modify things and, and have fun with things and jerry rig equipment if you need to. Yeah. Oh, I can't make this thing cause I don't have, 
that specific piece of equipment that the chef in the video is using. It's like bullshit, like figure it out. We can figure it out. Food is a simple thing. We humans have been figuring it out for centuries upon centuries. So there's no reason why, why we can't figure it out now. For sure. Great call to action. And I'm sure like when you finish putting all of that effort into that dish, you like feel the love and you'll, your friends, whoever you share the dish with will feel it too. And that's exactly how I feel when I know that like my parents or my friends have worked really hard on a meal and then I indulge in it. And it's just the greatest, it's like really one of the greatest things. So I can absolutely relate to that. All right, well, we are coming to the end of the episode here. I wanted to give you the opportunity to um, plug yourself and allow listeners to know where they can connect with you. Yeah, so uh, you can connect uh, with my my main company, TLET at TLET.com. We are on pretty much every social network platform, including TikTok. We, we make fun little tea music videos um, at, at T-Let T. So T-E-A-L-E-T T-E-A. Now, if uh, you're interested in uh, purchasing tea, now that I have this retail site, uh, that is teaanditspeople.com. And uh, I can be reached by email. Uh, email, I live off of email, so please feel comfortable to email me if you have any questions or um, you know, want some inspiration, um, I can be emailed at uh, elise at tlet.com. And uh, the live videos, I'm still doing those. I do those every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific. And those uh, stream to uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Periscope through our Twitter. So if you follow us on one of those platforms, you will be notified when I go live. Um, they're a bit more structured now, which has been kind of fun. At the beginning, they were very like random and just casual, and I was just trying to hold space for people. Uh, but now that it's been months, I've, I've done over 60 videos now, so um, you know I, I, I want them to be more structured. So on Mondays, uh, we uh, are writing a manifesto for the future of the restaurant industry. So if you are a food service professional or food professional and interested in what the future of the restaurant industry needs to look like, please join on Monday. And I, I allow people to come into the Zoom room and join the conversation. Uh, on Wednesdays, I do a constitution study group. So this is like the Constitution yeah, of the United States. Yeah, uh, yeah. We read it and we discuss it and we talk about current uh, current affairs and how they apply to it. Um, and then uh, on Thursdays uh, we do something called tea talks. And so this is a bit more uh, focused on tea education and tea professionals from around the world uh, come together. So again, uh, two p.m. Pacific on all of our social platforms. Uh, those videos are streaming. Fantastic. Thank you again so much for all your time and value and everything that you're doing in our Las Vegas community and might I add around the world. So thank you for everything. Thank you. Thank you so much for lending me your time today. If you found a moment of Zen through this episode, I kindly ask that you leave a review on iTunes so that this message might reach more people. For daily positivity and to join a community of awesome humans, follow us on Instagram at ThePositiveAF.